Hello and welcome to the Clockwork Game Design Podcast. My name is Keith Bergun and welcome to the show. Today I have two guests, uh, Ryan Bowles and Eli Priest. I know these two guys uh, from my Discord. They happen to be um, very knowledgeable about collectible card games, CCGs, which is a topic that I've been a lot more interested in recently, mainly because I think I'm going to try to make one. Um, and I guess there's a question of like, well, what does that mean that you want to make a CCG? Because I'm certainly not going to do the random booster pack type of thing. I'm morally opposed to the, uh, or ethically opposed to the whole, uh, concept of selling people something and they don't even know what it is they're buying. I find I'm surprised that we legally allow that. That seems like something that should be a fundamental part of just like basic contract law or like, you know, some sort of legal uh, framework of how goods are exchanged is that people need to like reasonably know what they're getting. But the deeper thing about collectability is that you need rare cards. And the problem, there's a lot of game design problems that come from that. So long story short, I'm going to be trying to trying to make a game that's not collectible in that sense, but that is customizable. Um, something like Netrunner is along the lines of the kinds of thing I could see myself making. And um, yeah, I've been I've been playing more CCGs. I've been playing um, a lot more Magic the Gathering Arena. Um, and I, I fi like I've been playing and playing and playing. And I finally like it's sort of I sort of figured out how to kind of enjoy it last night. I mean, a big part of it was discovering the play mode on uh, Arena because I had been playing uh, like ranked or, you know, just some other mode. And play mode is great because it um, factors in the strength of your deck when matchmaking, like which to me is like, D duh, like obviously you have to do that. But I understand for some people, the, there's the other mode, all the or not all the other modes, but some other modes are just like the pay to win modes basically or grind to win or whatever but i've been enjoying it i've also been playing a little bit of the pokemon tcg which is just nuts but uh in terms of like how random it is and how they seem to have like no regard for things that are too powerful or you know power creep that sort of thing uh, but it's still, you know, it's kind of interesting. There's a few things I like about it. Yeah, so I've been playing a lot more of these kinds of games. And I wanted to, if I'm like venturing into this world more, um, and of course I'm talking to people about these games all day, every day, pretty much. But I wanted to have a conversation where we could sort of dive into some of the values of these games um, on the podcast. I thought that might be interesting for people to hear. And um, yeah, my, you know, my my opinions on these games have changed and also haven't changed. I think that when I look at them through my rather narrow, like, strategy game, prescriptive strategy game lens, um, pretty much all of my critiques, not all of them, but almost all of them, like, I'd say I was, like, 70% right or something. I do think they're too random. I mean, having a deck that has 60 cards in it is just mind-blowing to me. And not knowing what's in your opponent's deck is really just, like... You know, especially when the the fact that like some decks kind of counter other decks, meaning that you kind of, you know, it's not really an even play field. And then we're not even talking about things like rares and, you know, the fact that you can just have a much better deck than another player. All these things from a pure prescriptive strategy game perspective are not acceptable. But you can look at it from a completely different way. And I think... I think that the different way to look at it that I've been looking at it is a lot more like how the average player uh, looks at a game. They don't, uh, you know, it's funny, like I, I, I think sometimes when you're developing theory and when you're like coming up with your own ways of looking at games, you can kind of like forget a little bit how to look at games like, you know, like a child or like, you know, I don't want to say a child in a condescending way. Like, you know, look at a game with fresh eyes or just look at it and be able to appreciate it sort of for what it is and engage with it on its own terms rather than always needing to like be like, does this fit into the, you know, the the parameters? And so I've been I think that's been a really good adventure for me with CCGs is like trying to like just widen my palette. I try to do that sometimes with like console games and other kinds of games that I usually really don't like and it, it just doesn't work a lot of the time, but uh, this time it is working. 
So that's very exciting because, um, as I said, I, I want to sort of venture into this area myself. And yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. I just wanted to mention really quick that this show is uh, made possible by my patrons. And by the way, my patrons, if you are interested in a Keith Bergun CCG, you will get first uh, copies of this game. You will be able to access this game before anyone uh, else, uh, except for like, you know, maybe my two or three personal confidants. Uh, and that is for my patrons sake so that when they actually play the game, they're not literally the first people playing it because usually if you're the first person to play a game, it's rather terrible. Uh, but yeah, I will be sending out copies of that, of the new game to people. Other than that, Gem Wizards Tactics has been going amazing this week. I just want to give people a quick update. We have the 1.43 update that just went out uh, today uh, at, at the time of this recording. And um, we have been in the Tiny Teams 2021 festival. And that has been going great. I mean, we, we've had a few like little um, spikes, you know, like um, sales spikes. And they keep getting a little bit bigger each time, which is very promising. I'm really excited. The game has a completely like we've overhauled the UI. It's just it's the polish the last, a couple months ago. I don't know if you remember, but we were saying like, I'm going to polish the hell out of this game. Uh, well, I've been doing it and I think it's been showing. Um, so anyways, uh, that's the Gem Wizards Tactics update. Definitely check it out. Uh, share it with your friends. Let people know there's there might be some time left to grab the 20 percent off sale. Uh, but yeah, without any further stuff. Please enjoy my conversation with Ryan Bowles and Eli Priest. Eli and Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, glad to be here. Glad to be here. I want to just go through with both of you and just give us some of your background. Who are you um, and what is your background with CCGs and also uh, background in anything related to game development or design or anything like that? Uh, Ryan, we'll start with you. Sure. So yeah, so I'm Ryan. I'm 37. I started playing Magic the Gathering in like the fifth grade way back in like 1995 or so. Um, played CCGs on and off my entire life. Uh, played Hearthstone pretty competitively uh, early on in Hearthstone. I was, you know, top 10 legend a few times. But um, and then play and then continue to play CCGs, but mostly with friends. I've been playing a lot of Hearthstone Battlegrounds, which is, you know, in that space, but arguably not a CCG. And uh, professionally, my background's in engineering and uh, game development. I've done quality assurance for video games. I worked on Hex, uh, which is also a digital TCG, or was, I guess, rest in peace, a digital TCG. Uh, and yeah, that's me. Sweet. Uh, and uh, Eli, give me your background as well. All right, yeah, so I'm Eli. I'm 36. Um, I consider myself uh, a lifelong Magic the Gathering player. Um, for a while, I was a tournament grinder, um, played some Pro Tours, and yeah, I played other CCGs as well, like uh, Hearthstone for a bit, but um, mostly focused on Magic. And yeah, I am an aspiring game uh, developer or game designer, um, uh, working to looking to get more into that field. Very cool. All right. So, yeah. Now, the reason I wanted to have you both on is because I, uh, you know, I, I'm about the same age as you guys. I'm a few years older than you, but I remember when Magic came on the scene. And I think, like, I've, I've been trying to think, like, why didn't I get into Magic when it appeared? And I think I have an explanation, which was I had this other really weird uh, thing I was, like, super obsessed with, which was around that time, that was 93, I believe. Um, and that was right around the time I think like Doom 2 was coming out or maybe Doom 2 was 94. But in either case, like those those years right after when Doom and Doom 2 were out, I had this like, this was like my beginning of game dev. I was just like obsessed with Doom and making Doom maps. And uh, I had two computers hooked up and we would like, me and my friend would like make maps and then play test them and iterate them, play Doom Deathmatch all day. And we just had this like, crazy thing going on. So I was getting like super sucked into like this PC gaming, um, like life, I guess. And I think that's, and it's, it's two things. It's that. And I don't, did you guys ever play D and D growing up? Never. Not growing up, but okay. later in life. Cause that was my other theory was that I didn't play D and D or any really tabletop game. So like, I just didn't like it for me, like the tabletop wasn't a gaming place for me. Like I hadn't really 
I didn't get into tabletop games until I was like 20 or something. Um, so, so yeah, anyway, I, I kind of missed out on CCGs. That, that's the short story. Um, and like, there was something about the, you know, I obviously heard about them. I did play them a couple times, but there was something about the whole, like buying random booster packs that bugged me. And I want to be able to say like, well, that's because like I had moral ethical issues <laughs> with it back then, but I don't know that that's the case. I just like something <laughs> about it just fell off to me. Um, and I, and so I just never got into it. I spent most of my life just being like, no, I hate magic. The gathering, it sucks. Um, and now I'm in this place where I'm like, like, I, I definitely understand. I think I understand better what the value of such a game is and, um, or some of the values of what such a game is. So I want to like lay out my understanding of like why they're cool. I am playing Magic now. I've been playing Magic the Gathering Arena a little bit. And um, obviously I've played, you know, I tried to dive into Gwent. I tried to dive into uh, the Runeterra. Um, I played a bunch of them over the years here and there, but I always kind of hit up against the same issues. So my my take on why, I mean, I think that one of the best things you could say about these kinds of games is that they are very flexible and they can be played in many different ways and suit many different needs. Um, that's probably my biggest compliment for them and that they're extremely social games, which is something that I'm more and more like really envious of as someone who makes games like Oro, which is like, I, I think Oro is great. I think it's one of the best games I've ever made for sure. But I also think it's a very antisocial game in that it's, first of all, it's one player, but all more importantly, it's very hard to talk about um because of a lot of the qualities of it whereas magic is like oh my god in our discord every time magic comes up <laughs> it's just like pages and pages and yeah. pages of like discourse and no other game does that right so that's that's kind of what i'm like where i am at i also want to make a game at least if not uh, literally a ccg something that 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 appeals and and like kind of lives in that space and is social in that way and flexible in that way. So um, yeah, I uh, I'll just leave open up to you guys. Like I mean, that's how I see the value of these games. Why don't um, either of you, whoever wants to speak up, um, talk about what you see as the values of these games? Yeah, I guess uh, I'll riff on that a little bit and say that Magic and, and Eli and I have talked about this a little bit uh, this week. Uh, anticipating this conversation is that like. Magic is a bunch of different games all at once, right? Like it's not just one game. And and you could even argue that you're making your own game each time you build a deck and bring it to the table, right? That you're creating a, a different game in that way. And so when those heated discussions come up in the Discord, everybody's perspective of like what magic is is different as well. So right, everybody's talking about something a little bit different than than everybody else in the conversation. Yeah, there's like the game has been around for a really long time. And so like it's not it's like not super super deep compared to other games so like it kind of does need new content and like one of the ways it gets new content is releasing new sets but other another way is just releasing new formats or people like coming up with new formats and all that yeah this yeah. concept of like formats and and all these sets like <clears throat> i have like two distinct feelings about that on the one hand that's like really, really cool because it's like, it's almost like this big like modding community or something, right? Like where it's like yeah. everyone's a game developer a little bit and everyone's kind of doing game design a little bit. On the other hand, for me as someone who like, I do game design all the time and when I want to go play a game, I want to go play a game. I'm, I think this is also part of it is I've also like, I've always, I've always loved game design a lot and so when, I've, when I'm like making a deck or something, and this is like, I feel like when I say this to people, they think I'm like an alien, but like I, I when I'm making a deck, I'm like, well, why don't I just make a game? I, I feel so much more like, I know obviously it's like, it's kind of crazy because making a game is like a ton of work and making a deck is like very, um, it's, it's not very hard to do by comparison. So like there is a practical answer to that, but I, I just, I, I guess I never, it's a double-edged sword. Let's put it that way. That like on the one hand, yes, it's cool that like you have this like big world of all these different modes, like on the Magic the Gathering app, there's like a scroll for all the different modes because there's like 15 different modes that you can play. And um, I didn't even notice that at first. And I like was missing half the modes because I didn't know that that area scrolled. Um, and there's still not even enough. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but at the same time, like there is a downside to that, too, which is like, what is like, I, like, I don't know how to phrase this, but like, 
if I just want to like play magic, first of all, it's overwhelming. You don't know what the hell to click on. I mean, I guess you could just click on the simplest sounding one. I don't know. Is there, well, let me ask you, is there a downside to that whole element of it compared to like a game like, I don't know, Race for the Galaxy, where it's like, you're playing Race for the Galaxy. I'm playing Race for the Galaxy. If I tell you to go play Race for the Galaxy, you're, you're going to basically play you know, what I'm, what I am imagining. Um, so yeah. What do you think about that? Like if you go to the local card shop and it's like, Hey, do you want to play some games? And you have a standard deck and they have a modern deck, then you guys can't really play. Um, definitely. You know, I was going to say from like a UX experience, uh, on the digital client, yeah. Coming into that as a new player and just, yeah, like you're saying, it's just like overwhelming how much information is thrown at you. Um, and even as like a seasoned magic, the gathering player, I struggled with the, with the new interface. Like the first time I was trying to like figure out how to even do a draft or something. Right. Cause there are so many options. Yeah. Um, so there are definitely those onboarding client. issues for sure. Yeah. So there is definitely a give and take there for sure. But also there's uh, another, there's another downside that I feel like I just thought of a way to like bring out, which is like, okay, think about league of legends. Um, there's one game basically that's league of legends. It's like summoners rift five V five, you know, th there's very little of that kind of like modifications, unless you want to call characters modification. But let's say that characters are all part of this one game, right? So what that enables the developer to do is like hone in on and prove that design, um, like by doing things like adding the elemental dragons or the, um, you know, the, the jungle plants or, or things like that, that are like, okay, we're like honing in on this one design, whereas that seems like kind of impossible when you have this like giant rainbow of all these different designs simultaneously. Right. Or, or what do you think about that? I wouldn't even, I would say that's a choice maybe, or, or maybe it's a symptom of the design, but, but like you're saying, like they're just ripping and tearing, like they're just trying to crank out content fast enough and you digest it so quickly that you never get to the point where that, that like stableness happens, right. Where you can hone in because that's a flaw of the system inherently. Right. Like which system are you talking about? The CCG, like, like oh. sitting down and playing a game of cards with somebody. Right. Mm -hmm. Because the pieces move so fast, like with format rotation and new card sets, then like it never has a chance to stabilize. So you don't have to like iterate on balance as much as you would if a game is supposed to last, you know, a, a decade or something. Um, so first of all, uh, like magic is um, physical, so they they can't. There's a lot of things that like we can do to like change things up just due to being digital, and they can release a patch every two weeks. Yeah, like I agree that the the physical is a big element of it, and that's a really good point. And I like I said, you know, I was in the doom mode during those years, and so I I always live in this like physical realm world where yeah, like you can just make a whole new system, you know, um, for, or like, you know, completely change some systems on one day. Um, and that's a good point that magic doesn't have that. Um, and so there is this, like, I guess the physical is an interesting component of it, but then you can look at a game like Hearthstone, um, which I've also played a bit of. And, um, you know, I mean, Hearthstone is a game is not a physical game at all. Uh, but it has that same design philosophy. And so for me as a designer and a player, I want what I want is like Hearthstone to be getting better and better and better. So I want like there to be a new patch for Hearthstone, like the 5.6 patch. And now it's like Hearthstone is better, but I they, don't they feel like do that, that works once. that way. What's that? No, they did do that. They did do that once, right? They redid the entire base set basically and rebalanced and created a new base set for Hearthstone. It's been a few years ago, I think now. That's cool. I like that a lot. I yeah. mean, but yeah, and I guess that's the kind of thing you can do with a digital thing. So I suppose you can do that. And I guess like, does Hearthstone also have this thing? I guess Hearthstone probably does not have this thing where it has all these different modes, right? Where it can be played. Like it has a few, but not nearly as many it as has, Magic. Uh, it has, has like basically like standard and then what they call wild which is like legacy i guess for magic where you can use all the old cards right and then um it had classic mode i don't know if that's still in i know they did that where it was like the original re-release of hearthstone like as if you had played it was like classic wow right like if you had just played day one of hearthstone right and then there's like uh yeah there's like duels and arena and you know arguably battlegrounds is a mode of hearthstone so there are you know maybe like six or seven different ways to play hearthstone in the client so, uh, all right, so now it's time to get into, so we've talked a little bit about some of the, the, the positive qualities of CCGs and like, so for you guys and like, granted, you guys are like our very particular kinds of players, um, who are like very, take, take the game very serious or have taken the game very seriously. 
and have like really dived deep into it. So for you, um, what what is something that like you wish was different about Magic? Or if there were a new card game like that coming out next year, what's like one or two things that you're like, oh, I really hope they do blankety blank? Well, if it was going to be a digital a digital card game, let's say not a physical product, because uh, I guess I guess I wouldn't be interested in a physical product at all, probably. But mm. uh, just like something we talk about a lot, which is just give somebody all the cards, right, and go to this like here's all the content you can buy cosmetics like Dota style model. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see somebody try that. Card acquisition is uh, an issue for me as well. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's a big fundamental thing. So, I mean, because that's, right, like, that's the first C in CCG is collectible. And obviously, it really can't be collectible if we're just giving them all the cards up front. Um, so, I mean, what do you and guys you think? collect them all at once. <laughs> uh, right, yeah. But, like, obviously, like, there's a whole, you know, collecting uh, factor of, like, it becomes part of, like, so I bet there's Magic people out there who are big Magic the Gathering fans who, like, don't even ever play the game, and they just, like, collect cards or, like, trade cards or oh, whatever. yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, so, like, th- um, it's interesting that, like, that, so... The other element of that is obvi- the other big thing we haven't discussed is like the sales model and how that's tied in with um, with this kind of game. Um, the the big like you know flashing red light for me is the random selling people random content. They're they're buying like the booster packs or whatever. Um, and to me, like for me, like I would never do that. I feel like the, it's really ethically um, like not cool to like sell someone's a random item like imagine if you were like at a a car dealership and they were like oh give me like uh, five thousand dollars i'll give you a random car and you know it's like oh shit we got a dud or something like we would just never accept that what's that uh, that business model can make a lot of money you know you could you could get rich doing that probably yeah exactly no and that's the big thing is that like could a ccg like is is how fundamental is that collectability and that sales model to this kind of game? Or I guess like, do you guys know of any games that don't use those kinds of uh, practices? Like what are examples of, you know, CCG like games, I guess, I guess like something, there's things like Codex and Netrunner um, that have like LCGs, right? Like, um, is that, is that like what you would want to see a game like that do in the future? Yeah, I was going to mention those two games. Yeah, I guess it's also, it's worth pointing out the difference between a physical collectible card game and a digital one too, right? Because when you're you're buying booster packs in a digital space, it's even worse because you're collecting things that are valueless or practically valueless, right? Where there's an argument to be made that if you're collecting magic cards, at least, you know, those are physical objects that, that could hold value. Like they could have real scarcity or something, right? Like right, things yeah, like that. Like cards that if you have cards that are twenty years old now, you could they could be worth thousands of dollars, right? Which is not not an argument I would make, but you know, it's one that that I would say makes digital booster packs even worse than physical booster packs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there's a big thing with like like, and I also feel like a lot of CCG ccgs and their business model i think i think that's kind of informed some of the like well certainly like loot boxes are is a very obvious um like i think extension of that but then like also some of the ccg or sorry like gotcha game type of uh mechanics so like i but i guess like my question is like like would would that would there would there be ccgs do you guys think there would be ccgs were it not for this business model of like the random booster packs, like, or like, would this have been able to, to have happened? Like, or, or is the, or is the business model really fundamental to it? When I think if you like go back and look at the history of magic, like when Richard Garfield was creating magic, he wasn't, he wasn't like business minded, right? Mm. Like, at least that's my interpretation of the origin stories. It's like, he was trying to make this a very small experience and they didn't initially anticipate that, you know, people would be trying to, acquire every card right it was like supposed to create this scarcity in a way that like you would just buy enough cards to make a deck or whatever right and then that's the deck you would play Mm -hmm. um and then it evolved from that into like what we know it is now 
And also, like, we're talking about, like, experiences, uh, like, getting into CCGs as a kid. And it's like, when you're, like, a kid and you're, like, opening those booster packs, right, you get, like, you, you don't really have an idea, or at least I didn't have an idea of, like, you know, the market or whatever at that point. It's like, mom, mom bought you 10 booster packs and you open them. And, like, that opening those packs is, like, a cool experience from, like, a childlike perspective, right? But then, mm-hmm. like, once you once you become an adult and like once I was like in my twenties and playing competitively, like I never bought booster packs again, right? Like you buy singles for the deck you want to play at the tournament and then you sell them before they go bad, you know, basically right before the market crashes around those cards. Yeah. Um, So like, I think part of the reason magic blew up was because it had a, because it was very different from every other board game. So people like, people would be talking about like oh have you seen this new game with booster packs and all that um and another thing is the whole trading aspect of it it kind of created the like social um web of the game because Mm. you couldn't necessarily build your decks without going to your local shop meeting players trading cards with them and all that it was before ebay even right like yeah yeah, yeah. So it really feels like the the good version of Magic, like the best version, I guess you could say, really, uh, is um, is something that made a lot more sense in that era before the internet and before eBay, and and also in the time of like brick, everything's brick and mortar, and you know, like buying something, you know, in a game store. Um, that that really kind of like made sense at that time, and then also I guess just for us, like you know, in terms of like age, age and like our lifestyles and stuff, you know, when we were in like elementary school or like middle school or high school, that's like the perfect atmosphere because it's very easy to bring like, you know, get a group of people together. We have this little ecosystem um, and that's like the perfect sort of uh, way to do that. A thing I liken it to a little bit is um, is Legos, which I also I love a lot. And I was huge into Legos as a kid, but like every kid has like the the sets of Legos actually aren't random, but they end up with a giant random assortment of Legos. You know what I mean? Uh, both because you buy random things like boxes and then you start losing pieces and sure, eventually yeah. you just have this like big like you mix them all together. <laughs> yeah, you mix them all together in like a big old like bucket or whatever. And then like that's one of the best things about Legos is, is that limited um you know, you have to make creative decisions because it's like, oh, I want to make a spaceship, but I only have one of these like wing pieces. Now I got to like improvise. And and that's like one of the coolest things about Legos. And that's like a very hard thing to get now with like a, something like a CCG. Like I, I feel like uh, when I'm playing a CCG, if I wanted to make a deck and, and this is something I run into with like with constructed formats is like, you know, so, like I think for a minute here and there, like, oh, well, maybe I'll make a deck that does blankety blank. And then it's like, oh, well, I don't have those cards. And I just know that, like, I could just pay to get those cards, I guess, or I could, like, you know, like grind to get them. And it, it just it's like for me, it's very demotivating. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess like your your guys feeling is like if someone were to make a new CCG now, you'd want them to give all the cards away. I guess like we should talk a little bit about. Didn't Artifact do a couple of, like, really... I forget what it did, but there was something they that Artifact... They were going to. No, they were going to, and then they died. <laughs> yeah. They were gonna, like, give away the whole set? Correct. That was the plan for the relaunch for Artifact 2.0, but then they canned it. Wow. Okay, do you know much more about that? Like, I, I didn't follow the specifics of that. I mean, I mean, Artifact was dead on arrival, I think, as, as most of the listeners will know if, if they're in the CCG scene at all. And, uh... And then Artifact 2.0, I think, was maybe like a passion project. But this is like speculation on my part. But like some of the devs uh, that remained on on the team, and then uh, eventually they just decided they didn't have enough of a, a swell behind it to to go forward with the project. Right? It was just like a financial decision to can it. Sure, sure. Yeah, I did. I did play some Artifact, and I, I that's really fascinating that they were planning on giving away all the sets. It is striking to me that there hasn't been a a CCG, I mean, or I don't know, is that striking or is that just tautological um, that like there isn't a CCG out there where you can just get all the cards or is there one that you know, are aware of? There would be one or two, but um, most companies want to make more money, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, yeah, and I mean, maybe that's just what it is. It's like, yeah, well, that would be great, but we don't have the economic you know, uh, situation that can enable that. Um, I think fairy a giveaway or like you could buy all the cards. Um, that's another really 
uh, that's an option that I've always wanted is like, well, okay, how much do all, can I just buy all the cards then? I'll give you like a lump sum of money and, you know, we can, and that's what Serlin would used to say about uh, Codex was like, uh, you know, he would say like, yeah, okay, Codex is like, I don't know, what was it, $200 if you bought all the packs or something, or all the boxes, something around those lines. But then he'd, but then he'd be like, well, but Magic, if you buy all the cards, it's like $150,000 or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah but I. <laughs> with the problem with Codex is they have to put a ton of work into balancing the game, whereas uh, when you can just release new sets, you don't really have to balance it. Yeah, but that that that's a good way of putting what I was trying to say earlier, which is that like there's this like scorched earth feeling of CCGs. Like it's the exact opposite of like, I guess the design aesthetic or something, or like the relationship I want to have with a developer. Cause like for me playing a game is very much a relationship with a developer. Like I, I it requires a lot of trust cause I'm giving them tons of my time. And I want to know that they're not going to just like screw everything up. Like, you know, in a month or two months or six months. But like. So part of the thing with Magic is people aren't necessarily looking for a balanced environment because what they want to do is potentially discover like the new deck that is super strong that no one else has discovered. And so like if the format is truly balanced, then and that deck wouldn't exist, right? So it, there's like this discovery aspect of, of exploring a not quite balanced format. So am, all right, one of these two things has to be true, either like like, because I can't imagine, like, when I think of what you just said, that seems so unlikely to me because there's like thousands of players playing way more than I'm going to play and experimenting with decks way more than I'm going to do it. Like, I yeah. I can't believe that I would just come upon some original, really effective deck. Like, that doesn't sound right to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's more difficult now. But so you could, for example, come up with some innovative deck in your like commander group or something like that right like you don't mm -hmm. necessarily have to come up with the tournament deck that's going to like win the pro tour um and also yeah like there it is kind of an issue where there's so many players playing the game now that like it, the, the game is becoming solved like very very quickly um and uh, i'm I not really sure there's some there's some discovery in like building the decks right and and so like if you like look at hearthstone or magic like the the swell of players like the hype is like right when a new set comes out right like mm -hmm. that first week when the cards are new players are discovering like the new interactions and what what's op and what's not you know what's bad and then there's this discovery of like building the deck but there's also a discovery in like playing the deck right and learning how to play the deck for the first time and you know learning the metagame and learning the matchups and then that's that's not something that's, you know, you can't really net deck that as much, right? Like you have to actually experience playing the deck. Um, but then like, it's like we were talking about ice, eating ice cream the other day, right? It's like the first five bites are the best. And then you're like, you're kind of sick of ice cream, you know? It's, sure. It's similar to that, I think. Yeah, I I was just thinking about the like the game balance thing and how like how game balance it's probably, you know, it's like in general, that's one of the number, that's probably the number one thing that gets talked about with games, right? Like this thing is really strong or this thing is really weak, you know, or some flavor, like, you know, some other comment about it. But like, like, I feel like the biggest thing that people talk about is like things that are OP or, you know, underpowered or whatever. And at the same time, here's what's kind of interesting. Like, you know, if I'm a game designer and I'm listening to people talk about my game, and they say something is, uh, you know, overpowered or whatever. I'm like, hmm, well, I should fix that then. And like, I, you know, I, I like kind of should fix that. But also, you know, uh, I guess this is like something that sometimes people have talked about games being like overbalanced. And I guess I wrestled maybe a little bit with the idea that like, um, you know, maybe like flaws and they are flaws, but they are also the thing that makes that facilitates the social uh, social things in in the world. Like if you actually do perfectly balance a game where everything is useful, even if it's like, you know, interesting and good and uh, things aren't always useful all the time, but they're like balanced in a general sense. Um, like maybe that's a problem for the social world of a game. Well, you also remove the power fantasy that way as well. Yeah, I mean, there's the power fantasy element. And then there's also like, I think like weak stuff, stuff that's too weak can be used 
like to create house rules, you know, to like be or like not house rules, but like to create handicaps um, to like just mess with it more. Like it becomes more of an like a social, you know, cultural artifact that you can play around with like a toy. Um, and this yeah, is like I'm sure. Yeah, I think when we were talking about Legos before, right, you can, yeah, you know, I was kind of thinking of a similar metaphor, but it's like, yeah, your box of your magic cards is your toy box, right? And you're just mm. like pulling out whatever toys you want to play with that day or whatever. It's not necessarily, and a lot, like most people who play magic, and maybe this just shifted some now that we're like more online, but like you're you're not playing competitively, right? You're just playing for, for at the kitchen table or just to have fun or whatever. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the early video game designers uh, and, you know, I guess game designers generally, like, um, are, are toy designers. And they think of games along the lines of, of toys a lot more. And I think there's a lot to that that, you know, I've, I've talked before a lot on this show and, and elsewhere about, like, you know, toy-like values um, and how they can be useful in other kinds of systems. But um, I think that's something that, like, really is great about Magic is... You know, and thinking of it as Legos, it's like all of my critiques of magic kind of fall away when you look at it as like it's like a big box of toys, you know, and and there are these games that you can play with it. Um, And yeah, they're not like the best games ever, but it's not about any of those individual games. Like when I when I would say a comment about magic in the past, I was thinking like, you know, what does it say in the rule book? Uh, when you buy like a bunch of magic cards, like, okay, I'm going to get into magic, play some magic. You read the rules and you play, I guess like constructed would be like just, you know, one-on-one or whatever um, would be like the default kind of, I guess, way to play magic. But like, that's like judging Legos by the instructions, you know, and like, like, you know, Legos come with like an instruction set, which is like the worst way to interact with Legos is just following the instructions. Yeah. So like, the, the game like started off like way more toy like for a lot of people and then um a lot of the magic players kind of like moved into tournaments and stuff like that and started taking it more competitively so yeah the game is different things for different people and like the problem is that uh a lot of the the uh, programs like magic arena are like pretty focused towards like the people that have been playing it for a while mm-hmm. and want to like practice for tournaments and stuff Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's such a it's such a world. I feel like I'm walking into like a you know a MMO or something that's been running for twenty years or something. Um, it's 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 very, it's pretty hard to like dive into as a new player. So that that's also something that like you know I guess could probably be improved on in a future game. I, I guess that's what I'm kind of trying to think about is like how how one would make do do an or, or like. Is it possible even to create that sort of an experience now with like with the Internet and with a digital app? Um, Like, how did Hearthstone go down, really? Like, how did, you know, because Hearthstone never was a physical game and yet it it worked, I guess, as like a constructed thing. I guess was it like mostly like an Internet conversation platform sort of sort of thing or like did you guys play much hearthstone like how would you compare how hearthstone went down uh in terms of like being a ccg being a big toy being like a big box of legos um like is there any like big takeaways that you have from that given that it was a physical only a digital only game I guess I yeah I played a lot of Hearthstone and I think uh, it's probably less toy like than Magic. I think that's pretty safe to say, right? It doesn't have as many moving parts, so there's not as much space to like play around in, mm. and that's probably why I prefer it like as a player. Because um, you know I'm like I'm not looking for a toy in a CCG, I guess, but um, and it it also like rode an early wave of Twitch, right? That's like also what buoyed. Hearthstone up, I think. It was like one of the first, you know, after League of Legends, maybe one of the first popular games on Twitch. And then of course it just had like the wow, you know, the wow IP Blizzard. to yeah. to get people interested, right? Yeah, just the branding. And it's just like accessible and you can play it on mobile, right? Like it when Hearthstone came out, there wasn't really other digital CCGs that you could play. I mean, there was like maybe a, like a few mm-hmm. uh indie ones that were like low on the radar, but Oh yeah, yeah, I bought an iPad basically to play Hearthstone. Um and I like I like the fact that I could like scratch my competitive itch on my couch. Yeah, like um 
so so I mean so Ryan, you just mentioned like I'm not looking for a CCG as a toy, and like I'm not either. Um, and that that's kind of a whole nother side of this conversation is like CCGs as the strategy game or as the competitive game or whatever you want to say. Um, that element of it. Um, that's where that's where a lot of my critiques, I think, like start to like make a little more sense. Like um, for me, a big issue has just been, you know, Serlin talks a lot about the even play field problem. And he's like any game that's an uneven play field is auto reject, instant auto reject. It's like a completely offensive premise to me. And I think like I don't I don't fully agree with that. Like I think he's coming at it from a little bit of a different place than I would. But for me, like it, it is uh kind of a major problem when I feel like I'm going into this, you know, contest and this person like I'm bringing a knife to a gunfight type of thing. Um just because I feel like, well, what can I really glean from the fact that I lost with a with a knife when my opponent had a gun, you know what I mean. So, like, I guess yeah. my my question is like, how how do people do that? And like, how how why doesn't that bother people? And why does it bother me? Um, and <laughs> why like you guys play games, well, all right? Like, if you've played, well, a not lot everybody's of playing for the same reason. First of all, mm -hmm. right? So, like, some people aren't looking to get that experience out of it. So, those people aren't going to be bothered by that, mm -hmm. right? And also think like, what is an even playing field? Like the whole concept to me, like if you just want to go, like it's black and white, I guess if you go, you have access to all the cards and I don't. Uh, but also like, what if you're playing basketball, right? And I'm 6'4 and you're 5'6, like that that exists in other spaces outside of just like physical sports as well, right? So it's like never going to be an even playing field. Right? Well, I mean, okay. So yes, I agree. Sports are another example of an uneven play field, but that doesn't mean that there are no even play fields. I mean, chess and go are relatively even play fields. I know there's like a little bit of a, a, but, a tiny but bit of just like, you could say height, you know, is, is the, the disadvantage, but there's going to be disadvantage mentally too, right? Like two people are not going to be equivalent right their ability to play a game right? yeah but that but the difference is that's the thing that the game is trying to measure in chess and go, right, right sure yeah and like what? basketball is trying to measure your yeah your physical execution right yeah like i mean honestly basketball like i think it's better if we like the sport of basketball like it would be if we could just be like all right everyone get into your like shrink ray machines and now you're all going to be like five nine or something <laughs> like that probably well, that maybe be... i don't know maybe that'd be better um but like you know i what guess I'm saying? the pay to win game is just like measuring to a degree right it's measuring how much money's in your wallet yeah and that's i mean that pay to win concept like um i don't know like what's the status of that like do people care about that i remember when that 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 phrase came out i want to say like between five and ten years ago and like i don't know like I, I can't get a I can't get a pulse on like what do people think about that? I guess people have different wildly different opinions on it because like mobile games like Clash Royale or whatever, um, especially when you get to the higher levels, like you really do have to start paying to win. I actually that was a I remember there was a really funny review on Steam of Artifact when it first came out. The the number one top upvoted uh, review was just single line, most powerful card is credit card. <laughs> i thought that was great um that's great so like there's definitely critique about that but i don't know like at the same time it's like i feel like there's like a thousand people who complain about it and then like a million people who don't complain about it and just like engage with it and and like i don't know if they love it or if they just engage with it or what well, but like why don't you talk about your pokemon unite experience a little bit uh sure yeah i mean so i i haven't played that much it's not been out that long but um i've been playing on and off and uh so i think one thing that one thing that like can kind of counter play to win and this uneven play field thing is that you can factor that into the matchmaking sort of like you can be like you can and in fact uh magic the gathering gathering arena's play mode i think does that right eli i think you were telling me that yeah it tries to um put you against a deck with similar power level yeah, so I mean, I guess that's a way to kind of do that. Um, it's a it's still a little bit weird because you then you have these weird like these two axes of like your skill and the power of your deck, and that that's that seems very hard to like get that right and to know 
Like, cause if, if we're, if we are evenly matched and you beat me, well, is it, was that because of the axis one or axis two? Is it because you played better or cause I played worse or is it because you just have better cards? And so that's kind of a, that's something that like messes with my, anyway, in Pokemon Unite it's, it's, you know, it's kind of like, it's very much a gotcha game. And, um, so it has that problem, uh, for sure. Like actually, uh, I think it's pretty significant. They do cap it out at some point. So at some point you can only get your Pokemon so strong, basically like you get like a full rune page or whatever, uh, at a certain point. Uh, but it takes like six months or a bunch of like a couple hundred bucks to, uh, to get there. Uh, that's, that's bad, but at least like, I don't know, I guess you could argue, you know, you're going to be learning during that time anyway. Like who cares? Just, you know, like learn, learn while you play and try not to take it too seriously. And, and then at some point you can actually access the full, you know, <laughs> the real game. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but like so. how much does that bother you? Right. Are you going to stop playing Pokemon United? Well, no, I mean, I am going to stop, but not because of that. Like the, the, honestly, the game, like, and that's the other problem though, is that like, I, I think that a lot of times these business models and these like other desires, like these, it's really just the business model. Um, they kind of screw the game design up a little bit, like in certain ways. And with Pokemon Unite, like it's, I, I can definitely see how the gotcha-ness, it is not the case that this is just like some somebody's great idea for a, a MOBA or Dota-like game. And then they're like, oh, let's put like gotcha stuff on top of it. No, it's like definitely not that, which is what League of Legends is, because League of Legends, I think, didn't really have it didn't have a lot of the gotcha ish stuff that it had when it first came out. Um, in fact, didn't League of Legends, was it free to play originally or did it cost money? I forget. I think I'm confusing it with Heroes of New Earth or something. But um, anyways, the, the, the business model, I think, really does affect the design and the way that the way that rules are are set up and and. Uh, you know, magic, for example, has to be very simple because it has to accommodate like for basically infinite number of cards in the future. Um, and I, I can see some of that with the with uh, with every gotcha game. Every gotcha game I've ever played has this like soullessness and lack of specificity to it um, because they're pl- it's you know, it's a hub for these microtransactions, basically. They're trying to like push it as much as they can and get as much money out of them. But uh, on this like um, like pay to win stuff, so it was it is sort of like as uh, as you're saying like people are some people are seeing it as sort of like a new player experience kind of thing where like they're they're okay with it if at some point uh, you have access to everything, um, and especially and with like magic uh, and other CCGs, um, part of the new player experience that the companies want to give players is like building up their deck at the start. Um, so a lot of people are fine with that. And there is like a point where there's like a cap. And so there, and people are arguing about Pokemon Unite on Twitter, probably as we speak on whether uh, it is too pay to win or whether like the cap is reasonable. So does magic have that kind of cap as well? Like, is there like basically a cap on would, how powerful a magic deck can be? I would say so. So like, I if I go to Magic Arena right now, I I can build every standard deck in the format, um, and that's because I I do the daily quests and and all that. And so, um, I like it is it is sort of like it's like pay to play kind of where that it's pretty expensive to get into it mm-hmm. but once you are kind of into it and playing on the regular then you can kind of keep up with it gotcha all right well um i i want to give you guys an opportunity if you have any more thoughts on this topic but i also like i want to make a game somewhere in this territory so i don't know is there what would you tell me what what would you advise me like you know what should i do or what should i not do do you have any like final thoughts on this uh, subject? Yeah, so I would say that um, you're tr- probably trying to find your own like niche. And so like because the, a lot of the games are doing things very similarly with like booster packs and all that, um, I think that there certainly are people that uh, do not want to have to crack packs to play the game they want to play and all that. And so I think you know, as, as you... Uh, don't like this there are other people that also don't uh, don't want to do that either right sure ryan do you have any tips give me your tips i would say 
so like i feel like the keith the keith Bergun uh view like the vision for a ccg like are, are you thinking it's going to be more like you you have set decks or are they going to be customizable decks I mean, I feel like you, well, if it doesn't have customizable decks, then it's really just a card game, right? I mean, right. At what, you know, like, like, honestly, if it doesn't have collectability, it's technically, I think, not a CCG. But if it does have customizability, like Netrunner, for example, has, has, is an LCG. So it's not really collectible, um, but it uh, is collectible, quote unquote, in that you can build your own decks. So I think like that, I could see myself doing that. Because my experience with Netrunner, I didn't play it much, was that I just played the decks out of the box, right? And I don't know, I don't know how many times you have to play those decks before you start mixing it up and like building your own decks and stuff. I didn't have that experience. Well, one of my um, goals would definitely be to like have it be that you have these like starting decks, and the starting decks are full power. Like they, we, you know, we've set it up so that like you can customize and stuff. But like, if anything, the customized decks will like be less good to up to as good you know like that would be a goal i wonder if you think that would be like a possible thing to shoot for yeah i mean i think i get and i guess this is kind of where i was going uh as well as like i would i would like make two decks that i thought were compatible or like equal in power level balanced you know like a mm-hmm. matchup basically that would be that would be close to 50 50 and then play those two decks against each other until I got bored and see how long, like how many games does that take? Right. Mm-hmm. Because, because part of the experience of magic, and we're talking about like this scorched earth uh, kind of mentality is that you're producing enough content to like keep people interested. Right. So if, if you taper that off and you only produce this limited amount of content, what percentage of players are going to be interested in, in repeating that kind of experience, you know, sure how long yeah that makes sense um all right cool well i don't know if you guys have anything that you want to plug or anything uh on the way out but i will give you both an opportunity to do that uh ryan are you is there anything you're working on or you want to tell you know tell people Uh, about yeah um i'm brewing a little prototype for a single player auto battler right now my headspace has been a lot in hearthstone battlegrounds i've been playing a lot of that i've been checking out storybook brawl as well um pretty quiet on twitter these days but you can find me on twitter at ryan bowls 42 sweet eli do you have anything uh that you'd like people to know about yeah so i'm basically just doing some prototypes right now and um gonna make a little uh networked multiplayer game um and it's good that stuff is uh at uh epriest.itch.io so anyone can come uh follow my uh itch page if they want to see what i'm up to Very cool. All right. Well, thank you both for coming on the show. And uh, I will see you uh, in League of Legends later on. Yeah. See you later. All right. Bye.